Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Everyday Theology Podcast, where we as ordinary pastors connect theological truths to everyday believers. I am Dustin Walters. I'm joined by your other two co-hosts, minus one today, Matt Mauser and Ben Campbell. Good to see you guys back on the podcast today, or at least hear your voice, because when this is aired, they won't see us. Um, you, you guys generally who listen to us are probably happy that you don't have to see our faces. Amen. I was going to say more people in our congregations that have to see us, but <laughs> but I see you just fine. That's a good sermon title. I see you. Anyway, I see you. So today's episode, we are going to focus on the topic of Christian hospitality, um, and this is a topic that really came to mind when we were discussing the um, pastoral visitation versus invitation. Matt and I had a great conversation about that. At least I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. Um, you guys may differ on that, but this topic really kind of came to my mind uh, during that time. So I'm looking forward to diving into this, guys, and just talking about Christian hospitality, how it's similar to and different than, than maybe what other forms are, and then what is you know unique about a gospel-centered approach to Christian hospitality. So I'm excited uh, to dive in and get started today. I think it's appropriate that we begin our discussion today uh, by defining hospitality. Um, Rosaria Butterfield, you guys have heard me mention her many times, and um, one of these days I'm eventually going to write a book review on her The Gospel Comes with a House Key book, um, which I highly recommend that everyone who's listening get a copy of. But she actually defines radical ordinary hospitality as, quote, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God, end quote. So hospitality is welcoming others in intentional ways in Jesus' name. There's a lot to unpack from that. I'm sure you guys probably have many questions about the implications of that, but I, I really like Rosaria's definition about daily practice, I like her language of bringing other people into the family of God, and my take on it all is um, intentional welcoming in the name of Jesus. Yeah, I think there's a new ministry shift that that's happening when it comes to Christian hospitality that's more than just the idea of being friends with unbelievers, but this is like you said, Dustin, it's it's using your home for the advancement of the gospel. Um, I've heard Butterfield talk about this on occasion. And one of the things she says is that, you know, if there's laundry on the table, like, and, and you come over, I'm going to ask you to fold the laundry. Like, this is just, we're just living life with people and welcoming them into our home as just a part of our family with no strings attached. And I think that's important in this day and age when a lot of people for better or for worse feel as though there are many strings attached when it comes to evangelism and sharing the gospel and Christianity. In other words, it sounds like you're saying, Ben, people can see right through our agendas. If we, if we are just, quote, trying to save the world or we come at people to, quote, save them, uh, they're going to notice that and they're going to see some disin in they're not they're going to see some inauthenticity with it. And 
And um, I think you point out a good thing. The no strings attached image is actually very important. Rosario Butterfield's testimony is actually uh, that she uh, began to explore matters of faith when she was invited into a pastor's home. He had uh, kind of a Bible study fellowship in his home. He invited her to come. She was writing a book at the time when she was not a believer, trying to kind of disprove some things about Christianity. And she was part of the LGBTQ plus movement. And she um, was an advocate for that. She was a literature professor at Syracuse University. And uh, this pastor write, wrote her a letter and she basically put it in the trash pile on her desk. Didn't want to do anything with this Bible believing person uh, except maybe disagree with him. Well, eventually, um, she does read the letter from this pastor. She ends up later on coming to Bible studies at his home. At this time, she's still not a believer, but it was sitting around the dinner table with, uh, I think his name was John and his wife, and where she began to really, her heart was softened to even consider the gospel. So eventually, this pastor starts inviting Rosari to church. She she does later on come to church begrudgingly, not wanting to. But it was the hospitality of this pastor that really opened up the door for Rosari to respond to the gospel. The point that that I want to make in relation to what Ben said, with no strings attached, is that we have to recognize it is the Holy Spirit who saves people. It is Jesus Christ who justifies. It's the Spirit who draws all men to the Son. Um, you and I are called to be faithful witnesses, faithful evangelists. Um, but I've been a part of many, many opportunities where evangelism was forced. It wasn't relational. And I think hospitality really promotes a relational kind of ministry, a relational evangelism. So I welcome you guys' thoughts on uh, Rosaria's testimony and then just the role that hospitality played in um, allowing the gospel seed to eventually be placed in her heart. Yeah, I love what I, Dustin, you and I talked about this in the episode where we kind of compared uh, visitation and invitation. There is a there's a certain amount of uh, value of just entering someone's home and uh, inviting them in, making them feel comfortable. Um, I think for the the, the, the the concept of hospitality is something that I believe is, is not just for the pastor, although it's it's very valuable i think it's also for the everyday believer who is just is living life but their their door is open uh, all the time uh, and th this allows a certain amount of comfort uh it if we're talking about pure evangelism which we're going to get to in a little bit later in the episode but uh what's more comfortable in receiving uh, or receiving or sharing for that matter on a street corner or in someone's living room. And that's what hospitality allows for. Hospitality is also a biblical concept. We read in Acts 2 where the, the early church was in and out of one another's homes. It was a known thing. And I would even go as far as to say that Christian hospitality is a mark of a believer that 
you know, your door ought to be open to, to your, your neighbors, your uh, church family, uh, to your, your family. And uh, this is something that I've experienced that made a significant impact on my life. And I've shared that on the podcast before, just how much people in my lives who have just opened their homes, kind of an open door policy, uh, how much of a, an impact that makes. We're more vulnerable, Matt, when we uh, sit down and, and have a meal or a coffee with somebody. And sure. I, I think that you're absolutely spot on. One of my friends actually had the opportunity to visit Rosaria and Ken, her husband, in their home. And my friend told me that he visited their church one Sunday when he was traveling and they asked him to come over to their house for lunch. And he was, he was a visitor at their church. Um, so that's a really cool. So Rosaria is not just preaching to people you need to do this, but she, she is uh, bringing it to the surface uh, for everybody. I, I just want to add to what, to what you guys have said that I think is really, really important and a, a kind of an important foundational element to biblical hospitality. And I know I don't, I don't want to just beat a dead horse all the time, but this is why um, it's so important to understand the total personality is that when we come to the, the, you know, the service of King Jesus in things like hospitality and evangelism and, you know, gospel advancement, we're not just dealing with people as machines and we're not dealing with them as like, we have the answer and they're wrong or, you know, we're right and they're, uh, they're in, in the wrong and they're incorrect. And so we need to correct their, their nonsense or, or like, you know, even though those things are all true, yes, like, you know, biblical Christianity is correct. It, it corresponds with the way things are um, in the world. You know, the gospel is true and it's exclusive. Um, and those who do not believe it will die a sinner's death and they will be judged forever in a place called hell. But that's just not helpful when it comes to hospitality and evangelism. Um the reality of the matter is when people, especially unbelievers who are so like in, in our culture are just so um, disgusted by church culture, um, that doesn't that's not going to to implore them to, to, to come to Jesus. Like it's it, for, for you to come up to somebody who may say maybe they're they are. Um, you know, like a, a, a part of the LGBTQ plus community or or they're an atheist or something, you automatically coming up to them and saying something like, listen, if you don't repent and believe the gospel, uh, you will die and go to hell. Now, we need to make a caveat here. It doesn't mean that you don't say those things because it doesn't mean that you ignore truth. But what what we're trying to get at here is that we're dealing people with people as total persons. We're dealing with people as men and women who are created in the image of God, tainted by sin and in need of redemption. And that means we build a relationship with them. We deal with them as rational beings who can think with their minds and feel with their hearts and act with their wills. And we allow the spirit to work through us to draw them to himself. 
Absolutely, Ben. And you point out that we allow the spirit to work on people. The word of God does correct. It reproves. It exhorts. It's good for teaching. It's good for admonition and all those things. Um, And then you have to think about what is the role of the individual believer and what's the role of the Holy Spirit. God sovereignly is calling people to himself. Um, Both the Arminian and the Calvinist affirm that God draws the elect to himself. Now, we can get in the weeds about that, not wanting to get in the weeds about election right now. But it is imperative that we as Christians who are striving to be faithful witnesses recognize that there are times the Holy Spirit calls us to have a prophetic role and to speak into people's lives. But more often than not, we we are called to join the work the Spirit's already doing on that person from a total personality perspective. So this will come up in our evangelism conversation later. But, you know, a lot of evangelism conversations start like this. If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? Well, that's off-putting to people in our day not the, the the content of it, but it's the mode of expression. It's, um, you know, if you go up to your barista at Starbucks and and you just say, if you die today, would you go to heaven or hell? Like, maybe there's a different way to transition. So we, we have to figure out that the Holy Spirit is drawing people. Uh, Jesus says, no man comes unless the Father draws him, John chapter 6. We believe that even as Arminians, even as Arminian free will Baptists. But the sovereignty of God, the role of the Holy Spirit, and the responsibility of the Christian to practice faithful hospitality is very important in this conversation. Yeah, guys, that's really good. I I, I appreciate both of your perspectives on that. So what would we say is the difference then between regular hospitality and what we are talking about as Christian hospitality, is there a difference? I believe there is. And I believe the key difference is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, that famous passage on Mary and Martha. Uh, Martha had encountered Jesus out doing ministry. She invites him to come over and she feeds him and his disciples. Now, implication is that the 12 are there with Jesus there's no telling how many other brothers. I mean, people follow Jesus all around the place, and he welcomed that. So Martha invites Jesus to come to her home. But what was her motive? And I think the key difference uh, that to Matt's question is there is a difference between entertaining guests and showing genuine Christian hospitality. And the difference is what is it directed to? If it is directed towards people saying how great you are for having them in their house, in your house, or you know you're a really great host, or you have really, if the goal is for self-seeking affirmation or entertainment, then I think it's worldly hospitality. If, on the other hand, the goal is that people may come to know God and be part of His family and experience the love and kindness of Jesus. I think that's a key difference. I, I don't know if you guys would add anything to that, but I, I think the key difference is, is it entertainment focused or is it is it um, gospel glory of God focused? I'll add one thing to that and just say that one of the, the focuses along the, the lines of uh, giving the glory to God and focus on others is it is service oriented. 
And here's what I mean by that. Yeah, sure. Like we're going to share a meal when you come over and maybe you feel bring a salad or a dessert or something, you know, something along those lines, whatever. But beyond that, offering a safe place is is important. And here's what I mean by that. And I'm going to give a personal example here. Um, when I, I think I've shared before how my youth pastor, Jack Ketterman and his wife, Ashley, uh, for our youth group, they had what they called open house Fridays. And that's it's literally what it sounds like. They opened their home every Friday night. It was an open invitation to anyone uh, that wanted to come, you know, invite friends, whatever. There was there was regularly no agenda. It was just come, hang out, we'll do whatever, you know. And and that was good. But they even after they left my home, uh, my home church in Nashville, uh, this was still something that existed. I'll never forget. It must have been, I I don't remember when it was in college, but there was a, something that took place leading up to spring break while I was in college that was really difficult for me to handle. Something happened to a friend. It was tough. And so spring break happens. I go on choir tour, which is stressful by itself, too. And so I had maybe five or so days after choir tour before school was back in session. And I, I knew that their home was open to me. And I called Jack and I said, hey, could I travel up to Bristol for a few days and and, and just unwind? And, you know, it, it gave me a, a, a place where I could go and kind of get away. Um, and, and but but I knew that it was a safe place. And uh, I think that's that aspect of uh, serving others. I think it communicates the gospel really well, too. Because I, I was able to come as I was. I, I don't remember if I brought dirty laundry with me to actually, you know, do laundry there, but I know that that would have been okay. And I think that that uh, very subtly communicates, you know, how we ought to come to, to God. We we come to him as we are. It's a safe place. And uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in serving other people and uh, offering up a situation like that. I appreciate you saying that, Matt, about um, your experience in college. I, I just want to give a, a shout out to those Free Will Baptists who might be listening, who host groups from the college uh, to come and sing or, or preach. Yes. Um, some of my favorite memories from college are those trips. And I was thinking about there were two kinds of homes, which nowadays, I think because of COVID, most of our kids uh, from the college stay in hotels all the time. But there were two kinds of people that would have college students over. The first was we as college students felt like we had to stay up all night and, and just love on those people as a representative of the college and talk brothers. I'm, my favorite homes that I stayed in as a college student, whether on preaching trips with brother Murray or with working sound for one of our, our groups, um, were the homes that they would say, there's a refrigerator. This is your room. We know that you're tired. If you want to read a book, if you want to sit here with us, we just want you to be able to relax and let your hair down a little bit. Those people really modeled uh, faithful Christian hospitality. And, and I thank God for those faithful free will Baptists that I've had the pleasure of uh, enjoying the benefits of their hospitality. So there's a shout out. Yeah. 
and I'll, I'll shout out too and say, you know, I'm really grateful for the people who, uh, you know, when you stay in their homes, they don't get upset with you. Uh, when you use dog shampoo in the bathtub instead of hair shampoo, uh, if None you've got questions, if you've got questions about that reference, just <laughs> ask uh, our brother Ben here, and he can fill no, you in on that ask. situation. Don't ask. There's okay. no reason to ask. <laughs> hey, it's all yeah. shampoo at the end of the day. So hospitality, right. right. dog shampoo. I mean, it's all good. So listen. That's so right. we might as well just let the cat out of the bag since we're talking about veterinary medicine here now. Um, <laughs> so we get to this house. And I had left my shampoo or didn't have shampoo and body wash or anything. And ironically enough, I knew the people. I mean, like I grew up with them. And it was Joey Pulsaway, wasn't it? Was it was Joey Pulsaway and, yeah. and Katie. And for whatever reason, we get up in the morning to take take a shower. And the only thing in there is dog shampoo. I mean, like I can't get out of the bathtub and like walk around and ask, ask for the suave, you know. And so... <laughs> So, so I just went with it and smelled like coconut the rest of the day. And if I remember right, it wasn't even a shower. It was just it was a, a bathtub. bathtub. Yeah, there was, was no shower. Bathtub. No. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I did. I'm sorry for getting us off on this this trail. I'm sure this. But thank uh, you, Joey and Katie, for your hospitality. Yes. Yeah. That's a, right. That's it right. is a great uh, comedic relief. <laughs> and so I think what we're kind of getting at is that it is built on the gospel and matt alluded to this it is a result of the work of the spirit uh, just manifesting itself through your actions so now let's think about what are some benefits of practicing christian hospitality i think there's several we're going to list a few dear listener if you think of a benefit of hospitality that that we leave out send us an email or comment on our social media uh, maybe we turn this into a blog post in the future. But what are some benefits, guys, of practicing genuine Christian hospitality? I, I, one of the first things that comes to mind, and we've mentioned this all, already pretty extensively, is evangelism. Just just sharing the gospel uh, with those who do not or who have not uh, confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I think one of the things that that's one of the big benefits. But here's a question. I, I thought of this earlier when one of you were, were talking about this. Do you think that it is necessary to invite someone into your home before you invite them to church? I'd never thought about this until we were just talking about it, but I, I don't I don't know how that plays into this conversation, but it is just a thought that I had. I think whether it's your home or maybe there's a different space. Um, that they, I mean, you have to just base this on your life situation and their situation. Um, but I think that what you're getting at there is build the relationship before trying to share the gospel. Sure. I think that hospitality plays a vital role in that. And that's a very important observation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that it's ab- absolutely necessary to do that. Like to, uh, you know, because I don't think we see that in scripture, like, but because, and there's a tension here, right? That like, you, you don't, you want to, you want to treat people as people, but at the same time, like you, you look at scripture, you look at Peter's sermon and at, at Pentecost where he says like, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Like he's not having everybody in his home 
on the day of Pentecost before he preaches the gospel to them. I mean, Jesus isn't hosting everyone, and he, even though he didn't technically have a home, but but Jesus isn't like sitting down at at the Jerusalem coffee shop, you know, every single day with every person he ministered to before he says, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so like there, there I think it has to be sort of a both end. Um, sure. Like there is times where, where you must proclaim the gospel and the gospel must be your, your choice words. Um, <clears throat> but when we're specifically talking about, the process of hospitality and specifically talking about welcoming others into our home. We're not welcoming them into our home to shove the, uh, the gospel down their throat, right. And to give them a plate of hot gospel, right. We're, we're welcoming them into our home to build a relationship with them and to get to know them as a person created in the image of God so that the gospel can, you know, uh, draw them to the father. Yeah. I, that reminds me of what Matt said about um, pastoral invitation uh, in that episode. And I think it's, you're absolutely right, Ben. It, it's, there is a time that we're called to be prophetic witnesses that Christ is calling us clearly to proclaim the gospel or share our testimony with someone. Um, but I think you're absolutely right in the sense that it it does it builds and the thing about relationship building is you don't build the relationship with a secret agenda um it is it is about just genuinely caring at a person caring about a person who thinks with his mind feels with his heart and acts with his will so i think not only evangelism is a benefit of hospitality and public witness really is connected to evangelism um i think discipleship is a component of this too where discipleship is the process of intentionally creating other people who follow Jesus like you do. Well, one of the ways that I think hospitality can influence discipleship and inform it is through things like small groups. Because if you think about it this way, if if you just invite somebody to church, which again, you need to do this. Like, I think it's good to invite people to church. Um, but if they come, like they may know you and they may know no one else at your church. And if they don't know anybody else, um, it's going to be hard for them to fit in. It's going to be hard for them to feel as though they're welcomed and feel as though they have a place just because they're new. Because guests at churches just tend to feel that way for whatever reason. I mean, like I'm, I'm like, so introverted it's not even funny so when i go to a new place where i don't know anybody the last thing i want to do is go up to somebody i don't know and ask if i can sit with them you know um and so if you think about that you can use the avenue and the medium of small groups and small group discipleship to introduce people into your congregation so now all of a sudden if if you invite someone to your small group and then they come to church, guess what? They know 10 people that they can sit with. And they're not they're not coming awkwardly into the sanctuary uh, with no one to sit with and with no one uh, with which they have a relationship. And so I think there is a, a big benefit of, of discipling people in your home 
unbelievers and believers alike because it, it allows them to get accustomed to uh, the people in your church so that when and if they do come, they feel welcome and they feel comfortable. And I'll add to that and just say a number of things. We've already mentioned public witness. And I think that's one of the big things is um, a law kind of uh, tangential to public witness is we should be as Christians known as people who have people in our homes all the time. But, but I would never want to be known as just a person who only invites those who don't know Jesus into their home. I also don't want to be known as someone who only invites people who are Christians into their home. There should be variety there. Um, a practical example of what Ben's talking about, and this isn't even within the realm of small groups and discipleship specifically, but uh, here in Georgia, college football is a big deal. And we're just a few months out from opening weekend of college football. And I know that I will have church people who will have on that Saturday, they'll have a, a, a you know big shindig and they'll be grilling and they will invite people from church and Lord willing, they will invite their neighbors as well. And so when those two groups intermingle, all of a sudden, when you invite your neighbor to church and they come. They have, it's just like Ben said, they now have a relationship, not just with the person that invited them, but they also have a common bond with other people. Uh, and inevitably, they're going to sit around on Sundays and talk about the games that were on Saturday. So that's just kind of the way that that has a tendency to go. Well, I don't want to, and I, what I don't want people to hear us saying is that we're trying to use other means to like replace the gospel here. Like we're, oh, we're not, we're not yeah, saying yeah. that what, what we're saying is that hospitality is a means through which we can share the gospel. That's, I think that's what we are getting at. And that's what Rosaria Butterfield is getting at as well. Yeah. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would almost uh, describe it as an off ramp to the preaching of God's word or an on ramp, however you want to, someone's going down the freeway of life and we we want them to hear the proclamation of God's word and hospitality is a, a great avenue for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Well, there's, there's so much, one of the greatest longings in this generation, which has been referred to as post-Christian or post-modern. There's all these different descriptors that describe the times in which we're living in brothers uh, people spot fakeness right off the bat. And one of the things that's been fascinating to me, that especially uh, as a member of a ministry team who is a leader at my church, people have said things to me like, wow, you're human too. And what that means, hospitality, the facade goes away because you, bo you both have children. So if you have somebody in your house, you may have to discipline your kid while you've got visitors, which is embarrassing. But no the thing of it is, um, entertainment is going to say, well, just just try to keep everybody happy and don't do anything that would upset anybody. But if, you're, if your child's misbehaving and they need to be disciplined, it's good for them to see you as a parent. It's good for them to see you as a dad or as an employee or as a friend or as a neighbor, like people have all these views about who Christians are and what we stand for and what they come to understand that 
we are people too. Now, we ought to be pursuing holiness. We ought to be growing in Christ's likeness. And yet, the longing for authenticity can't be overlooked. And one final comment before we go back to Matt for a minute um, regarding how all of this comes to play uh, in evangelism. You guys have heard the quote from Francis of Assisi, which is a misquote, actually. Uh, Preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Yeah. You always have to use words. You can't talk about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. You can't talk about, you can't have a gospel-centered conversation without using words. Uh, that What Francis St. Francis was wanting to get across was the way you live your life matters. And sometimes that's the loudest way we speak we proclaim the gospel. Uh, so one of the, I think Ben had said, it's not that we're trying to reduce the gospel, but we're actually trying to strengthen our witness by practicing better hospitality. Salt and light. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, and uh, uh, comment on a few things that have been said. Um, we're not deducing the gospel. We're introducing the gospel um, along the lines of what we just talked about with discipline. Uh Public humiliation is one of the, as I've learned as a parent, is one of the the best methods of uh, disciplining children. Man, there's nothing worse than being embarrassed in front of your friends and other adults who, so anyway, that, that's just food for thought, something that I found to be really helpful. Uh, one benefit before we move to our kind of concluding thoughts regarding Christian hospitality, one benefit that has, doesn't have any spiritual value uh, at all, but I, I, have found to be helpful is if you regularly have people in your home, you are more likely to uh, keep your home cleaned up. Yeah. Because in the, in the busyness of life, it's easy to get behind on dishes and to get behind on laundry and for, uh, you know, children's Velcro shoes to be all over the place. Well, if you know that at any moment, uh, a, a neighbor, a friend, a church member could be in your home Guess what? You're going to be a little bit more aware of the tidiness and you're going to do a lot more uh, to to keep it clean. So that's just a, a practical thing that my family has talked about pretty often. Yeah. I just want to say, too, that that what you guys are talking about is is that our lives as as believers hosting people in our homes are not a hindrance to the gospel, but they're a representation of the gospel. When we parent, we are affirming things like the Lord chastises those he loves, you know, and, and, and when we host people in our home, we're, we're showing that we're going to the highways and, and the byways to compel people to come to Christ. I mean, like biblical hospitality grounds itself in the good news of Christ, uh, for all the world and hospitality is an an avenue through which we take the gospel uh, to our community. Well, and on the note about keeping your house clean, I think that's just a good Christian virtue, even though, as I say that, I need to clean my house. Um, But on the other side of it, genuine hospitality, like, what do y'all think about this? I mean, yeah, keep your house clean and whatever, but it's not to impress people. I mean, if, uh, if somebody does come over to your house and there's dishes in the sink or whatever, well, they can either help you or they can just, they could see, uh, they can see the fact that 
I think what I'm trying to get at is, yes, to Matt's point, there is a virtue. Four lines will talk about the four basic values and uh, in, in even in keeping our house clean and pursuing excellence in all things. But at the same time, like hospitality says, look, even if my house is a wreck and you need to come and be spend time with somebody or you need somebody to listen or you need somebody to pray with you or whatever, come on. Yeah. Like, and it ignores and it's the not, tracks that needs to be taken out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's not that like cleaning your house is, is means that you are closer to the Lord, but it means that you're prepared for when someone does need to come over because you, you can't control when someone dies or when, you know, uh, someone gets sick and they need to come over and, and vent or talk to you, especially as a pastor. You know, you can't control those things. There, we're going to go to concluding thoughts in just a moment, but I want to give you two examples of how uh, hospitality in the midst of crisis. I already mentioned one example. Um, I'll never forget we were hosting an Acts 2 group in our home growing up when my mother found out uh, something really tragic about someone in her family. And rather than our emptying the house, all right, you guys got to go. That they, they sat there with us and we prayed through it and we cried about it. And the other thing is uh, the, the evening that we found out that my wife, Danielle's father passed away. Uh, we were at the home of a, uh, this wasn't even, this was, uh, a friend that we had in Virginia who we did not attend church with, but was just a, uh, a kind of a, a partner in the gospel. And we were at Laurie's home when Danielle got the call. And in that moment, we were, she just sat and prayed with us and we cried together and it was really sweet. And there's nowhere I would have rather have been than in her home. when when you find out uh, really sad, heartbreaking news like that. So, uh, well, Ben, if you want to take us to to some implications, um, what, what what do we have in terms of implications on Christian hospitality? Well, you know, I think there's just there's implications for Christians in general, but um, you know, there there's for married people. You know, we know it's easy to to host people, especially when you've got two people living lives and and. Uh, you know, working and if you've got kids, like that's a whole other thing. Um, but, you know, like th- this is married people, single people, college students, pastors, church members, everyday, everyday Christians. Like this is biblically warranted um, that for you to be hospitable to those who are lost and undone and dying without Christ. And so, um, you know, for nothing else, for the advancement of the kingdom of Christ, we ought to to do this. Yeah, the implications are many and wide ranging, and we we could go on and on listing all of the the different ones. One of the things that I did want to just kind of drive home as we wrap up today is that hospitality is going to be messy, as is Christian discipleship. Um, we deal with people, and people are messy, and. Uh, we're not encouraging you today to jump off and just jump off a limb and, and start doing, you know, all these things. It's a process. There's a lot of thought that has to be put into how this is going to look for your life, for your family, whether you're married, whether you're single. If you're a college student, you may be thinking, uh, I really can't invite people over to my college dorm. 
Um, but there, there's ways that you can practice hospitality um, in this season. So I would ask all of our listeners, what is it that Christ is calling you to do today as part of taking one step toward exercising greater hospitality so that more people can become neighbors and so that those neighbors can become friends and family and part of the family of God, as Rosario Butterfield says. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. We hope these truths have reached you for your good and for God's glory. Listen, we have one more episode that'll air next Friday, one week from today, and that'll be our last episode before we take a break uh, for the month of July, and then we'll be back um, after that for the first Friday in August. We hope you all have a wonderful day. Thanks again for listening to the Everyday Theology Podcast.